So this week I learned a new word. This new word is eucatastrophe. Now, this is also a shout out for Ben, who is a lover of all things Lord of the Rings. But J.R.R. Tolkien coined this phrase. And he created it by putting together two Greek words that come together meaning uh, good disaster or joyful catastrophe. And the context, the reason why he created this word is because he says that any really well-told story, and we know he, he was the author of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He is a very good teller of fantasy fairy tale stories. He said any really well-told story has eucatastrophe. And what he meant by that is that there's this sense of um, where the, the hero becomes the underdog, where they are struggling, where it looks like all is lost. And then there's a turn in the story where they um, overcome, where they win, where good overcomes evil. And he goes on to say that, that if it's done well, uh, however the crazy events in the story unfold, that there comes that moment when during that turn, a child or a man um, will have their hearts uh, flutter, where they're they catch their breath where their heart is beating, is lifted up, and it would even bring them to tears That if that eucatastrophe is done well. Well, the cool thing about Tolkien is he went on to say, this is not just a literary technique. And it's not just a fantasy, but it's actually happened. That has really happened. And Tolkien said this, he said, um, the resurrection was the greatest eucatastrophe possible and that it was the perfect combination to create that essential emotion where Christian joy, which produces tears because of its qualitatively, it is qualitatively so like sorrow because it comes from the same place that the joy and the sorrow are one, that they are united. And so we're getting ready to hear one of these, this, this perfect example of eucatastrophe as told by the end of all of the Gospels um, with the, the story of the risen Christ. And today uh, we're going to hear particularly from the Gospel of Matthew, how those tears of sorrow become tears of joy almost instantaneously. You can't hardly even separate the moment. So hear these words from Matthew 28 verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go tell his disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they, turned, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. 
But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. Hallelujah. Amen. So we finish up this series this today that we've been working through this whole season of Lent and trusting God. And we agreed that as, as unplanned as it was, the, the combination of events that have happened, that this was a really good place for us to focus our time and to really lean into what it means to trust God. But today, today we get to, to focus on trusting God's resurrection and how this is the ultimate promise fulfilled. And I can't think of a, a better way to end in this time when we are all dealing with this worldwide pandemic uh, to look for this message of hope, to look for um, this, this good word, this good news that we, we hear today. And so I wanna spend a little bit of time going deeper into this story in order for us to understand why should we trust in the resurrection and what does it mean for us? And one of the questions that I have asked all along with this is, is, is what does this story tell us about God? If we're asking you to trust God, then why is God so trustworthy? And I believe one of the answers to that question comes to us when we really look and understand the character of God better. And so this is a really interesting question for this particular story as we think about the Trinity. Um, I, I want to ask you to look at it from the lens of, of God the Father, the, the first Godhead of the Trinity. And so I think the first thing that we learn about God is that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead that this is God's answer to Jesus on the cross and that haunting voice calling out, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's answer was to three days later, raise Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is critically important to us because Understand that in those three days, from the cross to the empty tomb, Jesus dying on the cross, it nullified in the minds of the disciples, the religious leaders, it nullified Christ as the Messiah, Christ as the Son of God. Like, he's dead. Basically everything that they had <laughs> given themselves to following. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus, uh, redeems it all. Mm and makes it all true and brings it all home and absolutely confirms that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. And so this first point is probably the most critical point, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So death no longer has the final word. Sin no longer has the final word. As we talked about a few weeks ago, the devil no longer has the final word. These cosmic powers of evil no longer have the final word. Right. The risen Christ has the final word. Amen. So that's the first point. The second point is that as we see God fulfilling these promises, we find that God oftentimes fulfills them in unexpected and surprising ways. And, and we see this all throughout scripture, but I think this is the very best example. The empty tomb is in fact that joyful catastrophe. And so it's 
one of the parts of the story that I love. This fact that um, oftentimes we anticipate one thing, but then we completely experience something else. So the women come to the tomb that morning and they are anticipating seeing the guards that have been placed there the day before to prevent anyone from stealing the body. They anticipate seeing the big heavy stone that had been rolled in place to seal the tomb off. They anticipate being able to only watch from a distance to just be somewhere near where Jesus's body has been put. But they experienced an earthquake. They experienced this intimidating angel coming down and rolling the stone away and then he just sits on the stone. They experience the guards having the bejesus scared out of them till they are in shock. They experience an empty tomb. They experience the good news that Jesus Christ has resurrected and they experience the charge, the assignment to go tell the disciples what has happened. They come anticipating one thing, they experience something completely different. And I just wonder, Vern, if you have ever had that, that kind of um, experience yourself where you anticipated one thing and then God turns it upside down into something else. Uh, yes, and I, <laughs> that question that we talked about um, earlier this week, I have wrestled over that because there have been so many things in my in my journey with the Lord. I, I mean, I could say the fact that I'm, I'm sitting here, like the, the privilege of getting to serve in this church, that I, I, mean, I started here in 1998 having just graduated from college. And I mm-hmm. thought, youth director will be cool for a couple of years <laughs> and then I'll do, like, I'll get my real job, right? I'll right. do the, the thing I really want to do. And, and that would be a good answer because God completely surprised me with mm-hmm. that. I anticipated what had one plan and God surprised me with another. But I think the thing that it, for me that it boils down to is when I was younger and, and coming to an understanding of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So it's wrapped up in, in who he, like I had this idea that he was one thing and I've learned that he is something entirely different. Um, and I remember having a conversation with a mentor of mine when he was, he was asking me to wrestle with, so what do you think about saying yes to life with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I, I think I really want this, but I think there's some things in my life I gotta take care of first. Some things I gotta, you know, clean up. Really, um, I just felt like there was there was this mark I had to meet before, before Jesus would welcome me, and He was so gentle and yet firm. And He said, "Vern, if you wait until that mm. moment, you'll never say never yes. Happen. It'll never happen." And so for me, the way that I've been surprised by Jesus is in the the freedom and the welcome and the grace that I feel in relationship with Him, and it's. And, and that has, like, informed everything about how I, I walk with him. So it's that one, that one realization that it's, it's not about performing a certain way. It's not about being a certain person. It's not about, you know, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and knowing this book front to back and keeping all the rules and, and feeling like I have to live up to something. It is merely just coming to the end of myself and saying, I, I need something more than me. Hmm. And, hmm. and Jesus saying, finally you know n- now now we can get to work yeah um and and that's that's just informed everything about who i am and and the way that i try to live life i love it thank you that just that sense of anticipating that jesus wants us to perform or act in one way but the reality is he's expecting something completely different yeah. he knows us <laughs> he knows us uh, so 
So we learn that, first of all, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And we, we learn that God fulfills God's promises in some surprising, unexpected ways. And then the last thing that I think that we learn about God from trusting this, this resurrection story is that the risen Christ equals an abiding presence. Mm. And I love the living word because I've read this story hundreds and hundreds of times. And this week, here's the new thing that I learned when I read it. In verse 9, it says that Jesus went to, uh, Jesus met them and greeted the women. And so the Greek word for met there is hypanteo, and it means to go and meet and accompany back. And the image that, that automatically pops into my head is actually the um, prodigal son who leaves. And then as he is coming back, the father sees him and he runs out to meet him and then accompanies him back home. It is the sense that uh, Jesus was present with the women. It wasn't just a, an chance encounter. He met them. He traveled with them for a while. He, he continued to do that pep talk to say, y'all can do this. You can go and tell my disciples this message. It is the sense of, even for us today, the reassuring presence of Christ traveling in our life, being present in our life, not only as we go about the kingdom work, as we just try and figure out life in general. Right. And so that's another opportunity to reflect on, man, when have I um, really felt that abiding presence of Jesus going with me, accompanying me along the way? Yeah, yeah. That, that one for me is, um, that's a little bit easier to pinpoint a moment. And there have been several, obviously. Yeah. Um, but to pinpoint a moment, and, and some folks are familiar with this story, but when our, when our youngest was born, um, she... Um, she had some really serious, uh, like health complications. And when she was a few days old, we had to, she had to be transported down to Winston for a blood transfusion. Um, and in the confusion of all of that, um, I, I, I did what I used to love to do. I mean, I still love to do it. This was before my body started to rebel against me, but I went for a run. <laughs> um, and, and, and I was running along the path and I'd, I'd come into this meadow and I stopped and I don't know why I stopped, but I saw like a, a, a bug like scurrying across the path you know normally <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't have smiled. I would have just gone past it but but I stopped just it just caught me and in that moment I just felt like the Lord saying I am I am aware of the fact that that bug is crawling along the path and if I'm aware of that then I am very much aware of your situation First of all, with this surprise pregnancy that, hmm. that was not in the plans, right? <laughs> um, and, and now with the news that there's, we just felt like, God, why did you do this? You know, if, if this is how her life is going to be. And, and just this, that moment of overriding peace and saying, oh, we are not alone in this. Hmm. God is with us in the unknown and in the challenge and in this thing that we can literally do nothing about. Mm-hmm. And having to trust and walk in faith, it was it is a moment I will always look back to, and just knowing without a doubt that God was was in that circumstance with me and with my family and and with the people that were interceding for us, and it was right. a powerful uh, powerful moment yeah. for us. That reassuring presence of Christ in yeah. our life, and 
for me, this is such a fundamental part of my belief, uh, which is also why trust in the resurrection is just so critical mm -hmm. for, for us as Christians. But for me personally, um, this is one of those experiences, this sense of this abiding presence of Christ. I, I can't remember a time when I didn't have that in my life. And I know that sounds strange. And I as I've been thinking about this this week, I, I don't know if it was because of what happened in my early life with the tragedy of the loss of my father. If, as, as a little girl, I turned to my faith in that time of tragedy, and then that caused me to feel this abiding presence, or if I sensed this abiding presence, which then caused me to turn to my faith, like chicken and egg. I don't know which came first. Right. But all I can say is that all my life, I have felt this abiding presence. Now, there have been some wilderness moments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There have been some chapters in my life where God felt silent and far away, but they were exceptions to the rule and they always came to an end mm -hmm. at some point or another. And so I, I just have, the, have had this sense of God's guiding presence with me, of providing me what I needed for whatever the task that Christ was asking me to do at hand, whether it's leading the church, pastoring people, having a conversation with a friend, whatever it might be, I've just had this sense of um, hype and tail, of Christ meeting me where I was and staying with me through through life. And, and I don't know how to describe it any, any more than that. And it's something I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, but it is also to me, again, that sign of that living Christ that is not a historical figure from 2000 years ago, right. but is part of our faith journey right now. Well, and I think that that's, the, that's that key piece, God meeting you where you were, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that you know, immediately people begin to ask that question, what if I don't feel like God's always with me? You know, mm -hmm. what if the wilderness seems like it's, it's eternal? Like right. it's not wilderness, it's just where I live, right? Mm -hmm. um, just this idea that, that it, Christ truly does meet us where we are, mm -hmm. right? In the mess, in the doubt, right. in the anger, in the questions, in the guilt and the shame and all of it. Right. Meets us right there. And then journeys with us right. beyond that place. Right. So beautiful. Because that's exactly what Jesus is getting ready to do with the disciples, is to meet them where they are in their shame and embarrassment yeah. of having abandoned him. The guys him. who left him, right. Mm -hmm. And yet he is going to, to be with them and charge them for a work that, that you know, has led to the church today. Right. Um, and it's also why I do what I do, because my hope and my longing is to help people have this sense of Christ's presence mm. with them, um, no matter what. And so my question to you is to wonder about those moments in your life when you have expected one thing, anticipated one thing, and then experienced something else. And when you have um, also realized, wow, I have this sense of Christ's Present, abiding with me, mm. being present with me um, in the here and now. And so we are called to trust in this resurrection of Christ. And it is an act of faith because it is so surprising and it makes no sense that it really is an act of faith. Um, it is a joyful catastrophe, um, the turn of events that happened uh, at the, after the cross. But it is also so central to our salvation because it is not only a promise fulfilled, but it is the promise fulfilled. Right. It's the most important promise fulfilled in all of salvation history. 
all of it from before and even from the future still is the pivotal moment. Mm. It all hinges mm. on that, that empty tomb, right. the resurrection of our, our risen Lord. And right now, that feels like such a powerful word of hope for us mm. as we are navigating living in this pandemic, as we live through the disruption, as we acknowledge the loss of lives, as we acknowledge the fear that we have of catching this dangerous virus, as we struggle with the financial, emotional, relational um, um, struggles that are coming with this for many, many, many folks. We need this word of hope. And y'all, this word of hope is tried and true mm. for over 2,000 years. People have been leaning into this truth and over historical examples of other times of deep struggle, um, Christ has been there for them. Christ will be there for us today. And we celebrate that we're resurrection people. And one day we will all experience this resurrection. But even in the, in the um, uh, lens of this COVID-19, like today we're celebrating Easter. Absolutely. We are celebrating the, the risen Lord. But one day, one day soon, I hope, but in, within reason, whenever that moment comes and we get to worship together, oh my gosh, that is going to be resurrection right. day for us. Right. That is going to be a celebration, be, I think, beyond imagination um, because of being so long, um, the community scattered. And, and yet we still live into these promises. And right now, right now, we look over at that empty tomb and we see that um, you know, we anticipate, we expect Jesus to be buried there, but he's not. But he's not. And we instead experience the stone rolled away and Christ risen. We experience Christ triumphing over death, that he is risen indeed. And that that is good news for us. That is God's promises fulfilled. And it is a truth that we can trust now and forever. Mm. Amen. Amen. Amen.